I have these people who come up to me all the time and they look really old and they go, I watched you when I was a little kid growing up. <laughs> oh boy. Okay. All right. Uh, <laughs> um, or I read about people who are my age and, you know, in the newspaper and they're like, what? You know, uh, Rip Van Winkle. <laughs> No, I, I'm just, I'm kind of goofing around. Yeah. I, I feel very blessed. Um, I think, I think I am a living example of you're not going to be low energy on a vegan diet. People are always telling me to just chill out and okay, enough. You know, like I have a maitre d', a madam, the, the, the customers at the other tables are, are asking if you could lower your voice to you know, <laughs> modify your voice, please. Um, so I have too much energy. I wake up and I'm just running around all day, you know. Uh, back when I was a local news reporter, they used to call me Rocket Socks. I'm Jackie Reed, Emmy Award-winning journalist, longtime TV and radio host, and vegan. I created this podcast to give you tips on how easy, delicious, inexpensive, healthy, and fun eating vegan can be. We'll also talk wellness and just how we can make the world a better place. This is the Vegan Sexy Cool Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to the show and thanks for tuning in for another episode. This one is a goodie because my guest is broadcast journalist Jane Velez Mitchell, who you may remember from her time with CNN Headline News. And now she's combining those journalistic skills with another passion, her advocacy for animals. She does that with a new Amazon vegan cooking show and so much more. She also shares her journey to veganism and why she is still so committed. So let's get to it. cool podcast it is so great to have you here i love it i'm feeling sexier already <laughs> well you definitely look and i love the hair it's great. are you doing your own hair and everything makeup i now? do my own hair and everything i mean i i actually have a bunch of dry cleaning and i'm afraid to go to the dry cleaners <laughs> it was like if i drop it i'll throw it in the building and then run in the other direction are you going to the grocery stores and how are you handling that you doing delivery I am delivering everything, and I have not stepped in a grocery store, and I don't think I'll ever walk into a grocery store again. I use Instacart, and I'm having something called Farm Fresh to You deliver fruits and vegetables uh, once a week. I'm eating healthier. I've lost about 10 pounds, uh, and yeah, well, <sighs> I'm not going out there and eat. You know, here's the thing with veganism. People were like, do you, what do you eat, grass? So we're like, no, we'll show you. We have vegan pastries and we have vegan quiches and we have vegan lasagna. And then you eat all that and all of a sudden it's like, oh, next thing you know. Uh, so now I've reversed the process and um, eating really fruits, vegetables, nuts and grains, light on the nuts. And uh, I'm feeling great. Uh, look, I feel this pandemic is nature saying, Humans, you've been bad. Go to your room. Think about yeah. what you've done. Yeah. Uh, fix it, change it, evolve. Come out as a butterfly or you're finished as a species. Yeah, I agree. I agree. When you look at, you know, when, especially when this first started, when they were showing like how the smog and pollution in certain cities, the waters in Venice, 
you know, just all around the world, how nature was responding to humans being indoors and not just abusing what was going on uh, around the world. You know, we just take so much for granted. Um, and my hope at that, at that point was, you know, that people would pay attention to that and start to change the way that we interact with, with nature and with, with animals. But, you know, hopefully I'm not just wishful thinking. With I think things are changing. We see the plant-based options are skyrocketing yeah. uh, by hundreds of percents. Uh, Beyond Meat stock is way up. Uh, people are starting to embrace the plant-based alternative. And I always say, not about a word. I don't ever have to say the word vegan again. You could call it plant-based. You could call it whatever you want. It's, it's really about the action because it's the most important thing we can do to save the planet. If I may engage in a, a bit of self-promotion here. Please, please. I was involved. I did this. I directed this documentary, Countdown to Year Zero. It's on Amazon Prime. And the tagline is, watch it before it's too late. Mm. Because, and it's funny, because we did this about a year ago. And now CNN's come up with uh, reporting. We've destroyed 68% of the world's wildlife in the last yeah. 50 years. Yeah. At the trajectory we're going we will have destroyed virtually all wildlife vertebrates by 2026. Yeah, that yeah. will trigger an ecological apocalypse that is gonna make the wildfires right now look like a tea party. Um, and what is it all being done for? Animal agriculture. Yes. Whether it's in the Amazon, whether it's in the Pantanal, which is the world's largest wetlands in uh, Brazil, but also uh, spilling over into Bolivia and Paraguay, the fires, are being set to create cattle grazing land. So the, if you're upset about the Amazon being on fire, um, there's something you can do three times a day and just make a little switch to your plate. It's yeah. better for you, it'll prevent the next pandemic, and it'll help reverse climate change. And this is really just basic stuff. And this is the game-changing moment, this is it. We are gonna cross the Rubicon or we're gonna, Go out of business as a species. Yeah, what you know for you, Jane. What do you say to people? Because I know you're very passionate. You're a longtime vegan. What's 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 your pitch to people who are just like, eh, you know, my going vegan is not going to make that big of a difference, or it's too hard. You know what I mean? Uh, like, what do you say to those people? Because I know when I first started this, and I'm only three years in. I wanted, once I realized, I know, right? Once <laughs> I realized um, the difference that it would, it could make, you know, in the world when it came to animals, the planet and my health, I wanted everybody to be vegan, right? And I found myself getting into so many debates with people about it because there are people that are non-vegans are, have very passionate feelings about people who are uh, very negative <laughs> feelings about people who are. So what do you say to people? What's your approach? Do you just kind of say live and let live, do your own thing? I mean, I know you, I, you, I know you have a show and all that. Actually, it's more like live and let die. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but do I mean, you, are you, when you're out with friends and they're not vegan, do you find yourself trying to kind of push the conversation that way or push the no, issue? Well, actually, what's really interesting is that it's always the other people who bring it up. Yeah. And then when I explain it, they're like, why does this all have to be about veganism? It's like, wait a second, you asked me. I didn't <laughs> ask you. Um, 
I use, listen, I think that eating animals and the breast milk of another species is an addiction. And I'm a recovering alcoholic with 25 years of sobriety. And when I was in my disease, until I hit bottom, which happened to be making a fool of myself at a party in Hollywood 20, more than 25 years ago, people could talk to me till they were blue in the face. I didn't want to hear them, you know? And it's very similar. The wall of denial is incredible. And Dr. Melanie Joy, who's a Harvard-trained social psychologist who is truly brilliant and who coined the term carnism, which is the mistaken belief that humans somehow should and have to eat animals, has just coined the new term carnistic privilege, which is similar to white privilege, male privilege. And what, the way she defines it is privilege is when you, a minor inconvenience is perceived of as a major violation of rights. Mm -hmm. That's your privilege. So it's your privilege to eat animals. And if we're just suggesting, hey, you know, you're going to have a burger. Why don't you have this burger, which is better for you, zero cholesterol, better for the planet, much less carbon footprint, uh, better for water conservation, will help eliminate human world hunger because animals eat so much more than they produce as food. It takes eight to 25 pounds of grain to make one pound of beef and uh, will reduce the chance of future pandemics instead of saying, well, yeah, okay might be even not even a minor inconvenience but like a minor shift it's regarded as a major violation of rights right, that's right. privilege okay and um that's what we have we're dealing with a society filled with carnistic privilege and what they say is look it's a personal choice but it's not a personal choice anymore any more than driving the wrong way down the freeway is a personal choice it's killing people if yeah. you're a workers' rights advocate, it's killing slaughterhouse workers. Yeah. Slaughterhouses are hotbeds of the pandemic, and they're not going to get the kind of treatment that Donald Trump got to uh, the taxpayer subsidized, even though he paid $750 in taxes, uh, $100,000 worth of treatment just on the drugs alone. Um, no, they're not going to get that. Slaughterhouse workers are getting infected. They're infecting their families, and they're dying. Yeah. And so if you're going to eat that, you're co-signing the death of a slaughterhouse worker. They're working elbow to elbow. There's no way in today's modern day industrialized slaughter killing facilities that you can have the kind of social distancing that is required to keep these people safe. That's why there are organizations in California like Direct Action Everywhere demanding of Governor Newsom a moratorium on all new factory farms and slaughterhouses in the state. So, um, this is, I always go back to this, the best and the brightest. The title was a sarcastic title. The best and the brightest brought us the Vietnam War. Mm. All the eggheads, the intellectuals, the elites who went to the best schools. Right now, we have a society that is being completely destroyed. The worst things in our society are all stem back to our abuse of animals mm. and our consumption of animals. And, you know, we can outline them. The pandemic, it's a zoonotic disease that jumped from animals to humans. It first cropped up uh, amongst people who had been at a wet slaughter market. Yeah, and for yeah. those who try to do conspiracy theories, SARS, which is another zoonotic disease pandemic, uh, first cropped up at another uh, slaughterhouse in uh, another province in China. And then you have man cow disease, you have swine flu, which has cropped up in China. Just recently, I read a, a, an article, it jumped from pigs to the slaughterhouse workers in China. Um, so we could have a worse, a worse pandemic. In the 14th century, the plague wiped out half of Europe. Yeah, people don't want to take it seriously. I, you know, I love your passion um, for this. And I want to 
I want to take people back to the beginning. You, um, I think you said that your mom really was um, compassionate when it came to animals. When did you become vegan? Because I think you were pescatarian and then vegetarian, well, unknowingly pescatarian, I think. Yeah. Was your well, um, my mom was born in Puerto Rico in 1916. And my dad was born in Great Neck, New York. He's Irish American. My mom was Puerto Rican. And they were both born in 1916. My mom um, had a friend who was a pig. And she loved this pig. And she came home from school one day when she was very young. And the pig had been slaughtered for food. And she literally fainted. And when she woke up, she was disillusioned and shunned meat. She came to New York, formed a successful dance group, Anita Velez Dancers. They played the Caribbean, her... her crowning achievement was playing the Palace Theater, the five-a-days in between the movies where they would have live performances. Anyway, my dad, who was Irish, um, he gave up meat for her, and we ate um, primarily, well, primarily we went to dinner because it was a showbiz family. My dad was in advertising. But um, we were pretty, we did not eat meat. We, we did not have meat in the house. Uh, unfortunately, we did eat eggs and the breast milk of cows and uh, that sort of thing. Then I became a reporter. I went to NYU. I was working all around the country. I worked in Fort Myers, Florida, Philadelphia, Minneapolis, New York at uh, WCBS. And then I came out here to work at the, at the time, Disney-owned KCAL. Best job I ever had at the Paramount Studios. Oh my God, a lot of fun. <laughs> and this guy named Howard Lyman walked in and I did an interview with him. He was the one who famously went on Oprah and uh, explain the horrors. He was a cattle rancher who got very ill from all the chemicals they use. And when he was going into surgery, he said, God, if you get me out of this alive, I will reveal the horrors of our industry. He survived. He went on Oprah. He told all the terrible things they do to these animals and how they just torture them from the, well, they're raped into existence. Let's be real. They're not making love on these factory farms. The babies are abducted from them. They do horrible things. They cut off their tails. They burn, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a, like a Freddy Krueger movie. And um, he revealed this on the Oprah show. She famously said, that just stopped me cold from eating another burger. Those were her lines. Cattlemen sued her. She had to move her show to Texas for a while. She ended up winning. And he was famous for 15 minutes, Howard Lyman. So they called him the Mad Cowboy. That was the name of his book. He walked into the Paramount Studios where I had a show and I interviewed him. And afterwards he walked up to me and he said, um, we hear you're a vegetarian. And I said, yes. And he said, so do you eat dairy? And I kind of hung my head because he had just explained all those horrors. And I said, yes. And he said, liquid meat. <laughs> right in my nose. And that's what? when I went vegan 24 years ago. Oh, my God. About. I wish I had my date. Like, I have my sobriety date. Yeah. But I wish I had my vegan date. But it was something like 23, 24 years. Right around that time, whenever that yeah. was. It was a long time ago. And I never looked back. I, I felt so much better when I gave up dairy. We're not cows. We're not meant to drink the breast milk of a cow. Yeah, there's no such thing as lactose intolerance. We're not supposed to be drinking that milk or that breast milk from a cow. I mean, like you said. So for me, three years in, for you, 23, 24 years, how amazed are you at the advancement of vegan food? What was it like in those early days? What were you eating? Well, in the early days, well, remember, I was a reporter, and uh, being a journalist yourself, I, mean, I did some, I did anchoring, but a lot of times I was in that truck going from, unfortunately, murder to murder in yeah. New York, <laughs> so we didn't eat very much at all, 
Um, but uh, when I did go into vegan restaurants, the few there were, I knew everybody and it was empty. Now I can't get a table. Well, prior to, prior to the pandemic, I would try to go to, you know, Crossroads or Nick's or um, uh, one of these great vegan places in Hollywood. You literally, you're fighting to get a table. The last time I was yeah. at Crossroads, um, Ringo Starr walked past us on the way out. What? <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So they're very, it's super hip to be vegan here in uh, LA, but I don't want to make it that elitist type thing. A, I'm not an elitist. B, um, the cheapest food you can eat. You get a sack of brown rice, a sack of black beans, and a head of cabbage, and you could survive for a month. Yeah, yeah. It's so it's so easy, and it's not inexpensive as, as people think. And yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I don't want it to be um, the situation where people can't get a table and all that kind of stuff. I just want people yeah. to realize that you can go to a farmer's market and get everything that you need to live on a vegan diet, or you can grow, grow your own food like Lenny Kravitz. I was so delighted oh, to find yeah. out that he um, is indeed vegan. Well, I want to talk about your show because Jane, I have to tell you, I was like, you know, I would, I had this meeting with the food network and I was talking about veganism. It, this was years ago. And I was like, you know, there needs to be a show, you know, this mainstream show about cooking and veganism. And they were like, yeah, we're not ready for it yet. And then, so when I saw your show, I was so excited. So congratulations for that. How hard was it for you um, to convince, because Food Network at that time, they were like, yeah, you know, they didn't, they didn't really get it. How hard was it for you to get this show off the ground? Well, it's so funny you should say that because I had a meeting with the Food Network many years ago. A neighbor of mine was an executive at the Food Network. And uh, the funny part was he's also res was a reserve officer. And I was talking to this cop who was in a sheriff's outfit. And I was like, wait a second, are you? And then he's like, yeah, I'm an executive at the Food Network. And, you know, sometimes they make these VIPs uh, reserve sheriffs, which is like trippy. But anyway, I said, oh, can I come in and pitch a show? I went in and I pitched uh, a vegan show and I had the exact same response. So everybody who can make oatmeal has been pitching vegan shows to the Food Network. Advertiser-based uh, networks, if you look at the commercials, it's meat, dairy, and pharmaceuticals, the things that you need when you eat dead animals, like erectile dysfunction pills, uh, cholesterol-lowering pills. In fact, I can't even watch television while I'm having dinner because the commercials are so disgusting and side effects could include, you know, we don't even want to go there. I know. Um, it's really gross. So uh, the, the great thing about subscription-based uh, platforms like Amazon yeah. are that they don't, they're not as beholden to the advertisers. So what we did is I have a nonprofit, the Jane Unchained News Network. And we are um, volunteer journalists, 70 of them around the world, going live at all sorts of events, from VegFest to conferences to galas to protests to vigils. And we do a daily vegan cooking show on Facebook called Lunch Break Live every day at 12.30 on Jane Unchained Facebook page, which is my name, Facebook, my name. And so um, I ran into this incredible producer, Eamon McChrystal, he's an Irishman, and uh, he had helped a friend of mine, an actress in Hollywood, put a show on Amazon. And I said, oh, please help. And he and I hit it off. And um, we just came up with this New Day, New Chef. And we gave it away. 
So we weren't trying to sell it. We are, I'm a nonprofit. I raise money through very small donations here and there. Yeah. And uh, a couple of people wanted to cook. I said, good, if you can cook, you can be on. And they were some of our greatest chefs. And um, we gave it. And so what was great is that then we also got it shown on public television. So it's being mm -hmm. shown on public television around the country. So we did season one. Then we did a special season with uh, Maggie Baird, Billie Eilish's mom. She's a vegan. So is Billy. Yeah, so is yeah. her brother fin Phineas. They raise money to get to give to vegan restaurants. Vegan restaurants make food to give to people who are suffering during this pandemic, who need nutritious food filled with fruits, vegetables, nuts, and grains, and superfoods and nutrients. Yeah. yeah. So that was an incredible um, series that we did. That, that was Billie the Eilish and feed series, right? Yeah. And Billie Eilish even makes a cameo. She goes, "Love ya." She's so charismatic. That's all she has to say is, right. look, yeah. <laughs> but how much fun are you having doing this show? I, I love, I mean, the set is incredible. I mean, the dishes that they make are, I mean, oh, this just mind-blowing. And I love that you have, you know, I don't think you do this anymore now that you're not in studio, but I love the everyday people that are the food tasters that are on the side. Like, I love this show. It's such a great concept. Um, and now you're doing it from home. Yeah. Well, we did the, we, because of the pandemic, we did the one with Maggie Baird. We, we, listen, Eamon is genius. He said, we're not going to stop working. We're going to do it. You're going to co-host from home and you're gonna get celebrity co-hosts from their home. So we had the woman who plays the cook on Downton Abbey. I saw that. Nickel. Yeah, yeah, she's a vegan. And I we had know. Elaine Hendricks who plays Dynasty on uh, well, the, 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 the reboot the of Dynasty. Dynasty. Yeah. And we had Joanna Krupa, one of the sexiest women alive, voted I don't know how many thousands of times. Uh, she was on and she was also on Dancing with the Stars. So we had all these celebrity co-hosts. I was here right where I'm sitting they were in their homes and then we had a contactless studio where the chefs would come in and there were like notes about what to do and six robotic cameras and so everything was shot completely without any it was completely uh a contactless uh studio a uh, soundstage which was an accomplishment in itself yeah so wow you know i feel blessed that we're able to get this important content on to show that it's not a sacrifice. It reminds right, me of right. when I was in my disease. I thought, well, if I get sober, I'll never go to a party again. I'll never karaoke again. I'll never go to the beach and watch the sunset again. I do all those things. Mm -hmm. And now I remember that I've done mm -hmm. that. Now, now you participate actually, <laughs> willingly. Yeah, yeah. I can imagine, you know, how do you decide, James, because there's so, thank goodness, I mean, it's, it's still not enough um, to, to make the kind of change that we need to make when it comes to saving these animals. There's so many areas in which you can put your energy. How, do you, or how would you advise someone who, maybe they're new to veganism and they're like, okay, where do I start with my animal activism journey? You know, because there's so many directions that they can go in. What advice would you give someone who came to you? Aside well, from following and donating to Jane and Jane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would say take a, a beautiful photo of your nice vegan recipes and post them. Mm -hmm. And if you go to a great vegan restaurant, obviously be safe. Everything's different during this time of COVID. But even if you're picking it up, you can take a picture of it, put it on Instagram, put it on Facebook. 
Join PETA, People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals. They are so effective. Yeah. Uh, in fact, the industries that they um, expose have created phony front organizations, fake nonprofits to go after them and accuse them of false things because they're out to get them because PETA gets the job done. They do. So um, I would definitely join PETA. In fact, I get their alerts no matter, I donate to PETA and I get their alerts when they say do something, oh, you know, fur-bearing animals, da-da-da-da. Whatever I'm doing, I pause and I just do one, two, three, four, click, and I've been able to send that message. And then I get a notification on my cell phone. Oh, you just did that. Now go to their Facebook page. And then I'll go to the Facebook page and I'll say, stop doing, stop torturing badgers, whatever it is. And um, so they, they are super, super strategic, focused, and organized, which I can't say of every organization, to be yeah. quite honest with you. Yeah. There are really good ones. Um, I would also say um, sign up for Vegan World 2026. It's a great concept. The uh, documentary I did profiles the work of Dr. Silas Rao. Mm -hmm. He is a, an engineer who is constructing a template for creating a vegan world by 2026. Mm -hmm. And basically what he's saying is it's an engineering project. And just like we solved, because he was, he was instrumental in the acceleration of internet speeds. He's yeah. super bright. And he said, uh, we can do this. He said, if we can put a human being on the moon, if we can... Um, create rapid, he says rapid social change can occur. And he uses the example of gay marriage, right? Mm -hmm. And how all of a sudden the tipping point was hit and phew, things were accomplished like gay marriage that we never thought sometimes, and I'm an out lesbian, would ever happen. And so um, he gives me hope and he says, we're going to create a vegan world by 2026. We know why we have to do it. We know why, by when we have to do it. We just need to figure out how. What we're going to do is we're going to take all the major challenges. We're going to put them into task force groups. And we're going to have the task force create sub-task force. And we're going to answer every question that needs to be answered. And when we answer all those, we will have the engineering plan for creating a vegan world. That's how he thinks. Very strategic. So I would say go to Vegan World 2026 and sign up for that. It's fun. Uh, we've actually gone to the convergences in Arizona, which are really fabulous. Tremendous dialogue. And we're all in little groups discussing this, that, and the other. It's very fun. You should join us. Yeah. But now it's virtual, so you can join us right from where you are. Yeah, and yeah. it's fun. And we're in exchange of ideas. No, well, why don't we do this? Oh, well, well, you could also do this. And it's, it's super fun because it's like this dialectic argument and counter argument to reach a higher understanding of the subject matter. So we're, we're honing like a lump of clay and we're creating this vegan world. When I say vegan world, it doesn't mean that we're going to have vegan police officers running around pulling people over and saying, is that belt leather or not? What we're saying is that when you go into a restaurant, the the equation will have flipped and the, the meat will be the outlier and the majority of the food will be plant-based. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Oh, I love that. I love that. Now, and I want to say, I want to let people know, because a lot of people are still trying to figure out, you know, when you say you're vegan, they think that you're just talking about eating vegan, vegan, but you're a full vegan. You are a vegan like I am and it's everything, right? And it's a blessing. And I've saved so much money over the years. I Don't cut my know? needless markup card up years ago. <laughs> I know. I know. And now, now they're out of business, uh, which I, I, I don't wish harm on anyone. We will march against fur 
in Beverly Hills every year, and I've been doing it for I don't know how many years. And it started out, they give awards to everybody who's, every store that's given up fur. And it used to be just protest, 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 maybe one store. Now it's award, 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 and maybe two protests. And the yeah. last time we did it before COVID, we wrapped up the protest at Needless Markup, I mean, Neiman Marcus, and uh, which has militantly insisted on its right to show fur and sell fur. And we did a die-in. I was going live, so I wasn't the dying, but I was going live for janeunchained.com. And um, that was one of the few places, literally almost all the stores on, in, the, in the capital, you know, in the, uh, I would call the fashion, conspicuous consumption ground zero of the planet, almost all of these stores have given up fur. Yeah, I know. It's crazy that the people that are just holding on just holding on to it. I mean, it, it is amazing to me. How do you manage, Jane? Because this is challenging for me. How do you, because it, and it's funny because you talked about as a reporter going from murder to murder, I remember that. And that was one of the reasons I didn't want to do news anymore because it was just, just gut-wrenching to not only, you know, to, to either to go to somebody's house the morning after there was a murder and talk to the family or go to the funeral. It was just horrible, you know, but I, I it's, you know, I just feel so much sadness um, when I think about just, you know, the, the, the cruelty to animals and the large scale that it's on. It's almost immeasurable. How do you deal with any sadness that comes with that for you? Well, it's, it's a very good question. Yesterday, I got really sad because I was doing this live interview with a, a woman who runs sort of the Jane Unchained of Latin America. Uh, it's called ANDA. It's an animal rights news agency. And she was, she sent me these photos of these jaguars and other animals literally being burnt alive. And their carcasses are frozen in screams because the fires in the world's largest wetlands, and nobody's reporting on this. Yeah. It's criminal. Um, and she started crying during our live video. She said, I'm here. It's overwhelming. We can't take care of all the animals that we're trying to take care of. They're being burned alive. And uh, Jair Bolsonaro, the uh, president who's considered the Trump of the tropics is just saying, burn baby, burn, and giving everybody um, license to burn. And he doesn't care that they're destroying the Amazon. And then they're destroying this Pantanal, which is the lesser known largest wetlands in the world. And she was literally crying. And I said, don't cry. I said, I know this is so hard. I said, we're going to work together. Let's team up. Let's be a team. We'll, we'll support you. You support us. You, you have all of our contributors are going to be there for you. We have a community that's going to support you because she felt overwhelmed. Yeah. And uh, then I remembered what Ingrid Newkirk, the founder of PETA said, and she said, being sad doesn't help the animals. Hmm. So when we're sad and depressed, uh, while it's, I think it's a balance, it's important to feel your feelings and sit through the feelings. They don't last forever. I learned that when I got sober. That's part of it. Yeah. You know, just, you can't just escape from your feelings that they're there. You know, as human beings, we experience sadness and that's an aspect of life that we have to accept. And yet we don't have to wallow in it. I was very sad looking at the videos because I have to really study the videos and pick them and select them and sometimes edit them. And I'm just drenching myself in this horrible cruelty and I get overwhelmed. 
But then I say, brush it off. Being sad doesn't help the animals. Let me do the next indicated thing and stay out of the results and have faith, have faith and hope. Um, and then I give myself permission to be happy. Yeah. I love that. That's a, that's actually a really great answer. It's very helpful. You know, you look incredible and I want you to talk. A you little too, bit. girl. <laughs> Thank you. I just want you to talk about aside from your sobriety, how veganism has impacted your health. Well, gosh, you know, I have these people who come up to me all the time and they look really old and they go, I watched you when I was a little kid growing up. <laughs> oh boy. Okay. All right. Uh, <laughs> um, or I read about people who are my age and, you know, in the newspaper and they're like, what? You know, uh, Rip Van Winkle. <laughs> No, I, I'm just, I'm kind of goofing around. Yeah. I, I feel very blessed. Um, I think, it, I think I am a living example of you're not going to be low energy on a vegan diet. People are always telling me to just chill out and okay, enough. You know, like I have a maitre d', a madam, the, the, the customers at the other tables are, are asking if you could lower your voice to, you know. <laughs> Modify your voice, please. Um, so I have too much energy. I wake up and I'm just running around all day. You know, uh, but back when I was a local news reporter, they used to call me Rocket Socks, and they called me a lot worse too, a lot worse. But one of my nicknames was Rocket Socks. So I, not to make it about me, I'm just saying people can have plenty of energy on a plant-based diet, and yeah. and you know it has to be plant-based technically you could eat oreo cookies and uh, a few other vegan junk food and say you're a vegan that's not right. uh and, and then it's so funny how the um, newscasters on the uh financial shows they could care less that processed meat is officially cancer causing right but as soon as beyond meat and the impossible burger well these are processed foods right and they're no better for you than Yes, they are. Yes. They're better for you because they're cholesterol free. And prior to COVID, one out of every four Americans was dying of heart disease, which is primarily arteries to the heart getting clogged with cholesterol, which is plaque. And that comes from animals. We're animals. We produce our own cholesterol and other animals like cows and pigs and chickens produce their cholesterol. So when we have high cholesterol, which clogs the arteries and causes heart attacks and strokes, it's because generally, almost always, we're eating too many animal products. Mm -hmm. So do they talk about that? No. But then suddenly, when uh, these processed, but they're really processed veggies. In other words, is a potato that's turned into a mashed potato less healthy than a potato that you slice? The word process is just a generic term for you smush it up. Yeah. And um, so these these products may be technically processed, but they're processed, they're mixed, they're a mixture of vegetables. Yeah. Ugh, don't get me started. One last question for you, because I could talk to you all day. What's your feeling? You know, I, I, I remember interviewing Miley Cyrus years ago, and I was so delighted, you know, that that she was vegan. And to hear someone like her. Um, say that she's giving up being vegan because it was unhealthy for her or Anne Hathaway, who was saying it made her feel unfocused and lightheaded. I mean, what- Wasn't she always unfocused and lightheaded? 
and talk to me. Talk I to mean, me. I'll help you. I mean, it just it just bothers me so much because they get such you know high story counts, and it's just big coverage when when a celebrity decides I'm not gonna or these these uh these vegan influencers if you will who all of a sudden you know flip and turn and say you know i'm it's not good for you or it didn't work for me kind of thing what do you say to those people because i hate that they get so much focus it it reminds me again i i always come back to the uh addiction metaphor or analogy because people get sober and then they slip and um the old joke is you know I could quit drinking. I do it all the time. Yeah. Uh, it's a question of uh, is that light bulb on or is it something that you did for the wrong reasons? If you do something for the wrong reasons, or I, I really, I honestly don't know how to analyze it because oh, let me let me say this: when people slip, okay, from alcohol. They often say things like, well, I decided I'm not really an alcoholic. I can have a drink here or there, right? right? And, you know, the truth is that if they do have a drinking problem, that answer will eventually be disproved because it is a progressive illness. And sometimes people can get away for a couple of months drinking normally, but eventually that urge will overtake them and they'll be off to the, I don't even like to say off to the races because that could be a speciesist phrase, but they're off and running again overdoing it and ending up in the gutter or in jail or embarrassing themselves. So when people rationalize their behavior, they can be very creative. Um, You know, when I was in my disease and I wanted to have a drink, I would rationalize, well, I had a great day at work. I want to celebrate. Oh, I had a horrible day at work. I need to commiserate. Oh, let's have a drink. It's a beautiful day. Let's have a drink. It's raining. What else are we going to do? I could use anything, any excuse to figure out what I wanted to do when my brain was being controlled by the addiction. So that's what I would say. I would say it's like a slip with alcohol. And I just hope those people come back. I always welcome people wherever they are on the journey. I wasn't born vegan. And, um, you know, I, I feel like it's not, it's like everything What any kind of progress. It's not going to be a straight line. Yeah. It's like, like this. So they might go down, they might come back, or they might drop off and somebody else will join. I, I do feel the number of vegans, especially amongst young people, is skyrocketing. And uh, I think it is slowly becoming the norm. We just, we're in a race against time. Yeah, I'm glad that African Americans are the fastest growing group um, turning to veganism. I was excited to learn that statistic recently. So yes. And, and uh, one of the people who works with us very closely is the founder of Vegans for Black Lives Matter and um, Gwenna Hunter. Oh and yeah, she, I interviewed Gwenna. Yeah. I love her. Oh yeah, I love Gwenna. Yeah, Gwenna is so great. Yeah. But she's making the connection that one great way to take the power back for social change is through the dollar. Yeah. And imagine the power if all communities of color suddenly said, you know what? We're going to boycott meat. We're going to boycott meat because it is uh, works hand in hand with environmental racism. As we often say, there's no slaughterhouses on Park Avenue or in Beverly Hills. They're often put in low-income communities of color. And um, the slaughterhouse workers who are overwhelmingly people of color, almost exclusively, are dying. And they don't get the protections that the 
uh, overwhelmingly white managerial staff at these slaughterhouses get where they get to uh, isolate at home and work from home and they're dying. And um, additionally, uh, the communities of color are being directed to fast food, which is, um, there's a new documentary that uh, is being made. I don't want to misspeak about the directors, but it's all about this and it's called They're Trying to Kill Us. Yes. I interviewed John Lewis, the badass vegan recently. Yes, yes, and it's true. So what I say as a, a Puerto Rican woman and uh, as just an earthling uh, is don't support the forces that are oppressing you. And money talks in our society. I will say one last thing. I know we can't go on all day, but I'd love to talk to you all day too. But um, you know, for many of the people like in my neighborhood and that, that I know just geographic proximity, when the Beyond Meat IPO happened and it started making a lot of money, all of a sudden the eye rolling stopped and the people were like, wow, did you see that Beyond Meat? Hey, I've tried it. And because our culture values money so much that suddenly when it started to make money, it got a new respect that it didn't have prior to that. Yeah. And so um, I think that money talks and that communities who are agitating for social change and listen i've been to if i had a nickel for every protest i've ever been to i'd be a billionaire <laughs> um but as another aspect of that how effective would it be for let's say the black lives matter movement to say boycott meat every week on jane unchained at 3 p.m pacific on our facebook page we do a boycott meat roundtable we're working with um Lulac, Iowa, which is the largest Latino civil rights organization, their Iowa chapter, and Forward Latino, which is a labor uh, representative uh, group that represents laborers, particularly the slaughterhouse workers, to boycott meat in solidarity with the slaughterhouse workers who are dying. Wow. So if, if and, and my gosh, you would be a perfect leader of this. Whoever can make that connection, say, hey guys, we really wanna leverage our power Let's leverage our power because you can look it up. A lot of the heads of these fast food companies are giving money to the very candidates that are saying, you know, dog whistle. So um, politics. So uh, from that perspective, I think it would be a huge, huge, huge uh, cultural shift that would occur. And, you know, it's, it's a way of approaching it in a different way that will have maximum impact with the least fallout and improve the health of the people who are participating in the meat boycott. Mm, I like that. I think I'm going to give Glenna a call. <laughs> give her a call. I Seriously. love that. I'm, I'm taking notes. That, that really, you, that is something right there. We've been urging that. We've been saying, look, uh, we did this also with environmentalists. It's like go to an environmental rally uh, and then go to have a hamburger uh, or a hot dog, a, a pig or a cow, right. you're, that's the problem. That's why, that's why climate change is happening. Right. So, um, we, we have, you know, we're, humans are contradictory creatures and I am too. I mean, I'm, my, I'm an addict by nature. I have the worst impulses. If something is bad for me, I want it. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not coming from some lofty plane where I've, you know, done everything perfectly. Far from it. That's yeah. why I always talk about how I'm a recovering alcoholic whenever I get the chance, because 
this isn't about, well, somebody's doing it right and you're doing, you know, you're doing it wrong and I did it right. Right. It's about we've all got to learn. And, and I'm learning right now during COVID to eat healthier. I, I was really about saving animals. And I didn't really think about while we, I just wanted to eat whatever I wanted. And I started to realize, you know, Jane, you, you, you really should be an example. And um, the, the good news is I love it. I've given up sugar. Uh, I only use monk fruit or, uh, wow. which is zero calories and zero yeah. glycemic index. Uh, and I use uh, stevia, but I used to love sugar because often alcoholics jump to sugar. And I gave that up in December of last year. And that was also fantastic. Once I got through the withdrawal, yeah. um, I feel so much better. Oh my gosh. I need to, I need, I need your, I need like your meal plan. Because <laughs> I'm trying to eat more whole foods, um, so I'm really and and trying not to, you know. But right now with COVID and everything, it's a little challenging. I don't eat out. I do a lot of cooking. I do purple carrot, which Ooh, I love so much. Yeah, they're good. Yeah, um, yeah, they're they're really good. But I'm really trying to just be even healthier with it. I'm thinking about a raw vegan diet at some point for a limit, very limited amount of time. But just trying to really get healthier. Um, with my eating, just develop some better habits. But I'm not, I'm not bad. I'm not bad. No, you, so. the proof's in the pudding. Yes, yes. <laughs> well, Jane, this is, has been such a delight. Um, I'm going to let everyone know how they can follow you in the show notes. But thank you for taking the time to be on the Vegan Sexy Cool podcast. It, this was just such a pleasure. It was so great talking to you. Thank you for having me. I loved that advice about not wallowing in my sadness over the torture and abuse of animals and realizing, most importantly, that wallowing in it will not help the animals. I have to use my voice and do the work. Oh, I needed that. Thank you, Jane Velez Mitchell. I hope you enjoyed this conversation and be sure to check out Jane's show on Amazon. You can find links to that and all of her social media over in the show notes, which we will post over on vegansexycool.com. And you will find a lot of cool stuff on that website that will help you no matter where you are on the vegan journey. Even if you're vegan curious, you're going to find some things for you. Be sure to subscribe to that, uh, this podcast, and follow us on social media at Vegan Sexy Cool. If you don't mind, we would love the support. Thanks again, everybody, for tuning in. And until next time, stay safe and stay sane.